I want to win again for sure, but like my next goal is, is Bathurst. Now that uh, emphasis on that raises and I need to try and get that done. When I first took over the team at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, uh, weren't especially rosy, but we managed to win a, a race with Chaz Mostert that year in, in July and I thought, gee, this caper's bloody easy. Hey, I'm David Reynolds from Penrite Racing and this is Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock on our post-Phillip Island review. Uh, a fascinating weekend and uh, one where yet again we saw the dominance of the Mustang and particularly of the DJR 10 Penske and both their drivers uh, pulling a win. So that was a, a wonderful uh, weekend for the uh, North Queensland Ford team. I wouldn't call them North Queensland, but they're certainly a Queensland Ford team. Yes. Well, OK. Yeah, OK. They're not. Yes. I know they want to get a team in Sydney <laughs> um, too, Tony, as uh, we heard from Speed Cafe last week. <laughs> that, maybe that's the North Victorian team. I don't know. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um it, uh, it was a lot of a lot of uh, talking points around the weekend, and uh, uh, you and I both had some interesting times talking to uh, team owners, commissioners, uh, people around the sport. Um, Roland Dane, Brad Jones, Ryan Story all gave us their points of view on the various topics that came through both Tasmania, Simmons Plains, and through Phillip Island. The racing itself. Uh, Largely was uh, pro- fairly processional, you'd have to say, Craig, wouldn't you? I didn't think it was the greatest racing we've seen in some time. In fact, you could call it predictable and boring, couldn't you? Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the two of the highlights were, of course, OK, it was a 1-2 on both days with Fabian getting back on the top step for DJR Team Penske. But the interesting thing was, really, on both days, it was also the return to form for Erebus, and uh, with Dave uh, Reynolds doing it on Saturday and Anton getting his inaugural podium uh, position on Sunday. Um, both those cars were the best of the uh, Commodores on the two days. Uh, Walkinshaws were certainly nowhere. Triple uh, Eight <clears throat> were struggling. Uh, Jamie in particular, uh, you know, it's it, hard to believe that there's a seven-time champion out there doing battle and they had some atrocious... Uh, problems down there with wheels coming off again yes and uh, what about the nissans andre heimgardner getting a pole position uh, sorry getting a third place position and uh, rick kelly showing good form right throughout the weekend although unfortunately um, for the nissans it didn't translate through into sunday no it, it certainly did show up that they're not uh, disadvantaged uh, either with their aero package or their uh, engine, uh, in both ways that uh, they Kellys have done a, a great job in building a car that has uh, performed pretty well. It hasn't got obviously the uh, amount of uh, podiums and uh, press coverage that uh, Nissan Company would have liked, but certainly uh, Kelly Racing can stand up proud with the package they put on the track. Great to see uh, Anton again displaying the sort of pace that he showed several times last year and uh, uh, certainly justified the Barry Ryan and Alistair McVean going to bat to get uh, Anton on and justifying him staying there. It uh, is wonderful to see a young driver who is so accomplished uh, at such a young age and such a calm man at the wheel. Yeah, and you just know that it's sustainable because he's been fast 
And one of the themes I know uh, in upcoming weeks when you have your interview with Barry Ryan go to air, it's uh, it's about the two drivers getting the best out of each other, and that's something that certainly Anton's doing with David Reynolds right now. And it is that interesting thing, and I'm sure you'd be well aware of it as well, that both drivers, both Anton and David, um, they don't, how do we say it, um, uh, challenge, they challenge each other, but don't, um, you know, directly uh, cause conflict. They're, they're both drivers who uh, enjoy the fact that they're out there competing. And there's a good number, of course. Shane is the most obvious one that I know of that is somebody, he doesn't have to win a race to enjoy it. He doesn't have to win it to say, I'm the best man out there. They can just enjoy the, the challenge in itself. But wonderful to see for Erebus justifying uh, the input of uh, Betty Clemenko and Penwright to uh, put a team and get such great results. And the extraordinary thing is, of course, that, um, you know, you, you can't really have a jab at uh, uh, Roland um, because, uh, you know, they're not doing a good enough job. The mm. very thing that uh, uh, Roland was accusing uh, uh, Tickford of doing in Adelaide, and that is uh, standing on their own feet, um, that Roland's team at both uh, Tasmania and Phillip Island have really just done, and, and of course, Albert Park, done very badly. Mm, yes, and in fact, uh, as you mentioned before, we speak with Roland Dane. I caught up with him after racing on Sunday. We'll also have uh, an interesting uh, point of difference here. You spoke to Brad Jones on Friday. I spoke to him on Sunday. So you'll hear both those interviews this week. And then Ryan Story, who uh, is a man, well, with a team that's certainly walking on cloud nine, all coming up. But if we look at some other stories, um, no decision yet about Jack LeBrock's future. And uh, for the listener, we have, Tony, been doing a series of interviews with Tim Newton, who is the engineer of the um, car 19 and we have been doing this interview series right throughout the uh, year so far so in the weeks to come we're going to play the interviews up to this point and of course uh, you'll also hear Tim's response to the uh, outside noise and how it might be affecting the team. question I tried to raise several times, and I know we uh, tried to seek uh, some time with Ford's Ford Performance, the uh, Ford US man, the aero guy, I can't remember his surname, Adam. Uh, you know, it, it, it's undoubtedly supercars are going to be doing something in the way of aero, but I, it's not going to happen tomorrow or next week, but sometime in the next uh, future near future they're going to be looking into uh, testing the aero on the uh, three cars competing in the series mm. now so first what off, is I uh, Tony we'll, uh... one other thing that I would like to raise with you is that on Inside Motorsport this week we did speak to Scott McLaughlin and Fabian Coulthard Fabian Coulthard had some very interesting things to say about last season compared to this season and uh, some of the speculation in and around his performance last year which he is more than happy to clear up in that interview but the question I asked Scott McLaughlin about could he feel a difference at Phillip Island the answer to that is gold and I'll uh, spoiler alert even though you'll want to go back and hear it from Scott's mouth himself he said the car at Phillip Island felt better with the centre adjustment parity uh, made than it did at the test day earlier in the year 
which is an extraordinary thing given the high-speed nature of Phillip Island, say, in comparison with uh, both uh, Tasmania, Albert Park and uh, Adelaide, that the car should feel better. Now, I, I think there's got to be a couple of reasons for it. One, one is the, the very real possibility of the linear spring movement and the fact it's obviously from each meeting, each day, each session, the teams get smarter in the how they're trying to recover the speed uh, and drivability of the car they had with it when they were running the dual springs. Now, that's one of the aspects. And the other one is the very shifting of that 28 kilograms of lead weight in the roll cage. It could actually have that impact that would make the car feel better in some way, shape or form. The dynamics of it. I know in future weeks we uh, should try and get to uh, uh, our friend uh, in Jeff Slater, who's in America now with uh, Rail Lanigan, um, try and get his impact uh, that uh, the... Uh, weight shifting in, in the cage would have. So we'll certainly look for that comment from him. But we should get on with the show, uh, Craig. So we'll roll into uh, Roland Dane on Sunday night, and I look forward to listening to these comments myself. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock from Truck Assist Techno Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Roland Dane, an interesting weekend for your team. How do you sum up Phillip Island 2019? Oh, I mean, we can do better than that. Um, it's, I think we went, we tried too hard to look for, to look for gold when the best achiever was bronze. How do you, how do you set a mindset that is a, You've got high achievers in there that are always looking for gold, though. Yeah, but sometimes it's not possible. The reality is sometimes it's not possible. So we need to uh, be more realistic about our expectations um, coming into uh, coming into a particular weekend. And I, I don't feel we were here. And, uh, and we, uh, yeah, the, as I say, the best that was achievable really was uh, was a podium at best. And uh, we tried too hard to go for something more. Do you have a read on where the car has changed so significantly? Is it is it all one thing, one rule change that has made the difference here for you guys? Or well, that hasn't changed. Well, no multi springs. No, that hasn't made any difference here at all. I mean, we were last year we were running effectively single springs here. We had a twin on the rear, not on the front, and it was, <clears throat> but it was almost solid. So. No, the track generally was slower than last year, uh, and last year the best time we did was thirty point one seven, and we did a, our best time here was a thirty point four um, this weekend. So it was probably in line with where the track was, um, but we went looking for something more than that, and it wasn't there. How do you now uh, look at the opportunities that present themselves in Perth with a new surface and, more importantly, a format 
night format. Well, the night format should be good fun, I hope. I hope it's as, uh, as good as the Sydney one was last year. Um, and I hope it draws spectators. But I think the, uh, the real unknown is, is the resurface. Not quite sure what the asphalt they've used is. Uh, but it was, it was resurfaced some years ago, if you remember. And I think Greg Murphy set a, a lap record that <coughs> took forever to beat or something because and it... Was, he almost ran the whole set of tyres for the whole race because they didn't wear out. Yeah, correct. And that's a normal characteristic of a, of a new surface. And then they, it gradually gets eroded. And in Perth, as you know, it gets eroded by the sand and sort of has, and takes the um, takes the tar out of between the stones, uh, which is what's led to the to the high dig there. So uh, that'll be a yeah that'll be a big new dimension to Perth for everyone to get their heads around. Do you have a thought finally on Phillip Island's uh, closing the pit lane and how that affected the race weekend? Well, we. From a racing point of view, we got away with it because there were no safety cars at the wrong time. Um, we need, at the end of the day, the real issue here is that the pit lane and the pit buildings are inadequate for today's racing. Um, they're too small. Then the pit, pit lane is inherently dangerous. So that's what really needs to be put right, is having the, a, a pit lane and a pit building here worthy of uh, one of the best circuits there is anywhere in the world. Uh, and at the moment, we don't have that. If, if that's put right, as has been spoken about so many times over the last decade, but nothing happened, um, then we wouldn't have to worry about it from a safety point of view. There was some talk about if they spaced the teams wider apart down the lane. Is that an interim measure that should be pursued? Well, it certainly should have been pursued uh, in terms of spacing the cars out up into where the Porsches were this weekend. That certainly would make it safer. Um, the problem, is, though, is still the width, is that the, the people on the outside of the cars are working too close to the fast lane. So and that doesn't matter where you are up and down here. And if somebody slips over or a wheel goes back or whatever, somebody gets a shove, then, as we saw in uh, Adelaide, uh, then it's just too dangerous. Just too dangerous. Is there any other tracks where this is apparent, Bob? This is the worst. Um, this is the worst of the of the season, uh, and this is the place that, you know, if we're going to persist with doing pit stops in the way that we like to do them, something needs to be done here. But I don't think it's only us. I think it's the this motorsport in general deserves a better set of garages and a better pit lane at, at the best permanent circuit. And I, I guess that's the problem with Australian motorsport in general. Not enough new or upgraded facilities. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, we'd always like to see more. We've got a fantastic new facility at the Bend. Um, we've got um, world-class pit buildings at Bathurst. Uh, which we've had for many years now. And, but it would be nice to see this circuit, which is a world-class circuit in so many ways and is renowned across the world by two- and four-wheel motorsport fans. It would be nice to see it uh, as the complete article.
Well, Roland, we look forward to seeing the response at Perth. Yeah, no, I look forward to seeing uh, us doing a better job, but I also look forward to seeing a great race meeting there. After the break on Inside Supercars, we'll be listening to Brad Jones talking pre-race and pre-event weekend, and then after that, at the end of the race weekend on the Sunday night. So Brad Jones coming up after the break. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Will Brown, co-driver of the Penrite Racing number 99 car for Anton Di Pasquale. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. I'm here with Brad Jones, Philip Island, end of day one. It's all been pretty right for you guys, hasn't it? It's okay. You know, like, I think uh, Nick's our fastest car in 12th and Timmy's 15th or 16th, so... I wouldn't say it's a great day, but it's it's okay. Yeah, you, you had good form down at Simmons. You had good form at the Grand Yeah, Prix. we've been been pretty quick everywhere, but I always thought this would be a really difficult one. Right. Okay. All right. Now I just wanted to talk to you, uh, a as a team owner um, and manager, uh, about things that have been changed around. Things like the uh, centre of gravity that was required uh, adjustments yep. to your cars. Did you feel that had any impact in your particular cars down? Uh, I think it's had an impact on most people, to tell you the truth. I think that it's um, one of those things... You know, people often ask why, you know, why has that change come about? In the last few years, we've gone from cars that have fundamentally got standard panels on them. You know, they may have a composite door, but maybe a composite quarter panel, but standard mudguard, standard bonnet, standard roof, standard boot. Slowly we've migrated to to composite panels instead of instead of steel and that's been okay when all the cars have got the same architecture underneath but but now with the um, homologation of the the mustang a lot of the components in that car are composite because nothing on the car is standard so a lot of the things inside the car that are steel or aluminium on the other cars are not on that car and so what that's enabled them to do is um, take 50 kilos or more of weight out of the build of the car and then just bolted to the floor. So it's just about evening that up, which in years gone past has never been too much of a problem, but but it obviously affects how the cars handle and this is a parity formula. So the Commodore was better than the Nissan, so we got to carry some weight and the Mustang was better than the other two cars. So, you know, we're all evened up to the to where the Nissan is. Yeah, it's interesting because you know the introduction of the last two cars, that being the ZB Commodore and the Mustang, are the ones that have both seen a rule change or a rule introduction. Well, I think when the um, Commodore first came out, it was seen to be better. Yep. And then they raced at Adelaide, and very quickly at the commission, it was approved to allow the um, Falcon and the Nissan to run composite bonnet roof and boots to get the centre of gravity down lower and um, and this is just the same sort of thing but you know it's probably done a little more scientifically we've taken the cars off we've run a particular test all the cars ran the same test there was a number of them done they came out with a number and that's what they moved around on the cars so 
I think it's, you know, not only is uh, uh, weight saving in the cars an evolution process, but the way that we test it is also new and, you know, there's no reason why it hasn't made a... I think it's made a bit of a difference. Yeah, OK. Now, it's been mooted that there may be some uh, aero testing to come, but that's down the road a bit. Um, well, it's not something that... I mean, you know, supercars will sort that out. Yeah, OK. All right. Now, the other introduction here is the... Uh, um, so the closure of pit lane under safety car rules, yeah. uh, and you know, as a, an ex NASCAR boy, uh, uh, that's not something you're mad about. No, I wouldn't say I'm. I'm really hot on it. I think that it, it, um, you know, you, instead of being clever, you now need to be brave. So this is more about how long you're willing to risk staying out with the with the thought of a safety car coming um, along at some time. So. So it's not, you know, like I said, it's not about being clever. It's not about having a great strategy. It's, it's all about being willing to stay out at the risk of there being a safety car at some point in time. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, indeed. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm told it, safety is not my Oh, absolutely. And say, safety is, I mean, you know, here the pit lane is so narrow. Yeah. And every time yeah, we've had one seemed, in mid-race, it's, it's been so a problem. It seems so crazy given this, this track. I mean, it's obviously yeah. a motorbike. No, but, but you, what you're saying is right. They've spent so much money on everything else. If they just made pit lane a metre wider, then this wouldn't be a problem. But but it's, it's, it is very tight, and safety is the name of the game in some aspects, certainly when we include the pit crew. So um, we're trying this just to see how it goes. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a little like the qualifying was last year and Park Ferme is this year. It's just one of those things the Commission have decided to give a, a test to a, this particular event and see how it works. Uh, speaking of the Parc Ferme, uh, which, while it didn't have a dramatic uh, difference in the results down in Tassie, it seems to have been you know, well hugged by everybody saying, yeah, that worked, yeah, we should try that, do that some more. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it, to be honest. I, I felt last year with the qualifying it was really clear that I was pretty good and that we should keep it, but with Parc Ferme, I feel like um, yeah, people are qualifying the cars they race but you don't get a chance to change anything to, to before you race them. So if you miss it a little bit, you know, with qualifying, then you're stuck with it for the race. So um, I think we're going to do another one, and and for me the jury's out. I don't love it and I don't hate it. I just sort of looked at it and went, I'm unsure. Okay. Is there a chance that refueling could be eaten or the the? Oh, I read that on an, in an article actually. I think that would make things really interesting. There's a bit more roll of the dice sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be, you know, how, how brave are you to put a tank full of fuel in and then take 20 seconds off your pit stop but, you know, run the risk of qualifying in the middle of the field. That would really be interesting to see if it mixed things up. I think, uh, I, 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 I don't know that you would get um, a, lot of, a lot of people agreeing to it, but it certainly... I, I saw that article and thought to myself, wow, that would really mix things up. All right, well, we'll look forward to that. Thank you, Brad Jones, talking about uh, things at Phillip Island. No worries, thank you. Well, Brad Jones, at the end of the WD-40 Phillip Island Super Sprint, how are you feeling about the team's performance? Um, uh, look, it's great to be inside the top ten again. You know, we seem to be able to, to do that pretty regularly at the moment. It's just a wrong end of the ten for me, to be honest. I felt like today... We had a really, really aggressive strategy with Tim Slade because we started him in P17 and, 
And with Nick in the um, 7-Eleven car, we really had a similar strategy to the people around us. Um, we were racing them. And so, and they ended up pretty close to one another at the finish. So, um, you know, I'm relatively happy where we finished. Interesting, one of the things that could have taken your aggressive strategy completely up the door, though, is the shutting of pit lane at Phillip Island under safety car. How did you feel about that rule? Because you're not always uh, happy with some of the changes they make. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, uh, um, it, it's a high-risk manoeuvre, you know, to, to hang out, especially at a place where cars tend to have tyres explode and you never know what's going to happen. Um, I'm not sure what the right answer is. I don't like shutting the pit lane um, on safety cars. And but... you would have raced the last time that they had this, this rule because this used to be a standard rule. Yeah, and and it, what it does is it takes all the intelligence out of strategy and just, you know, rewards the brave, really. So So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out, you know, um, you're going to be in trouble if you run another seven laps and you haven't got any, the fuel in your car as opposed to those guys that have. But if you are looking for, you know, tyre quality, then you've got to take the risk. And, and so that's why we have one each way really today. And even with Nick's car, we were pretty aggressive if you think about it and compare us to people like, you know, um, the Shell team. So, um, and you've got to be able to pass. And to do that, you've got to have a certain amount of tyre deg. So, um Look, I, I wouldn't say I love it. I totally understand why they do it. It's safety. but um, And they've had some problems here. So, But do I like it? No, I don't really like it. Was there another solution? I've thought about that, actually, and, and um, I don't really think there is. I mean, um, I get why they don't let you pin until lap five because they don't want everyone rolling in on the first lap, which I don't think you do at Phillip Island, but you would, would at other places. So I... You know, I understand all the all the parameters that are, that are around the the rule, but um, I couldn't really come up with something that I thought was fair and reasonable that that actually still did the trick. Um, so at least this way, you could still do tyres in a, under a, under a caution, but you can't put any fuel in. The drivers yesterday in the press conference actually suggested why couldn't they just use more of the pit lane and started using the garages towards the other end. That has been suggested. And do you would you be happy with that? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. We used to... We, I mean, I, look, honestly, it's just madness. I, I don't get it. But, is but, it because the photos look better if you're all stacked up on top of each other? I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, when, when the commission were talking about it, one of, the, one of the points was, hey, how about we put a bigger gap in between all the pit... pit you know, it's so long at, at Phillip Island if we just... You know, spread them out more. You could park in behind your your teammate. You know, I don't know, but it was a no go. All right, I reckon you would have loved doing what these boys are going to do at the next race, and that is go to Perth at night. Yeah, no, night races are something that I really used to enjoy a long time ago when I was racing cars. So, um, I mean, just as a spectator, I'm really looking forward to it. I thought Sydney was good, and uh, I think I think it'll be a great race at Perth. What do you think is going to be the big thing that Perth is going to offer as a night race over what Sydney Motorsport Park did? I don't think it'll be a lot different, to tell you the truth. I think I'm a bit disappointed they've resealed the circuit because I think that it used to 
um, give us great racing. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what's going on with I the Mustang. I can't believe you like having tyres that you can't even practice on at the end of the weekend, which is more... No, no, I don't. As a spectator, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I mean, that Super 2 race last year was just a cracker. So... Um, I mean, I think I think it'll be a good race. I mean, I hope they do a little bit of work on the cars to even them up a frag more because right now I think it's still not quite right, even though I think centre of gravity has helped a bit. You wanted to hear something scary? Yeah. Scott McLaughlin said to me about 30 minutes ago, between the test day and this weekend, he thought his car felt better here this weekend than it did at the test day. Yeah, well, maybe that's because he only did one flying lap at the test day. And the rest of the time he was rolling out of it so no one could see how fast it was. I don't know. But, uh, oh, except, of course, when they took the Dorians off so no one knew how fast they could really go. Um, but they've got to tell the drivers not to tell anyone. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they're clearly fast. And, um, and in qualifying, you know, you can't really put a glove on a Mustang. But that, but that being said, it's the same for everyone. So supercars will sort that out, and um, we'll just go there and do the very best we can. What about uh, as a father, not as the team owner? What's your view of Macca's season so far? He's had a bloody rough start. Yeah, he has. This is the first time he's finished a race meeting without the thing looking like a um, half-eaten biscuit at some point some point of the weekend so um, I felt he came out really strong at Adelaide in the first qualifying session 17 and then he had that accident I think when you have a bell ringer like that you know something like 36 G's I think it takes a little bit to recover from um, he was pretty speedy yesterday and I felt like today uh, unfortunately my I, I got the strategy wrong for him and and um, he got stuck, and that was unfortunate. So I think he can run, you know, round 20th. So it's hard, you know, and he's finding it hard. But, but you know, it's what everyone goes through when they get into this category. So hopefully he'll have a couple more good race meetings and we'll get the strategy right, and he can, you know, hopefully get up somewhere between 15 and 20, which is, which is sort of where I think he can run. It's always a hard decision, is it? When's the right time for someone to make a move? And a lot of people say you're better off get to where you want to be and then learn that gap at that time. Well, you don't have much choice in supercars. You know, he and Gary Jacobson are running around each other and they're both rookies. I mean, you know, today Winterbottom, who was on pole at the last event in Tasmania, was one row in front of him. So, yeah, it's just hard, you know. So you just got to learn how to get the most out of the car, go through the process and, and um, you know, just keep on improving and you can't ask them much more than that. Can you take the team owner hat off and have the dad hat on when it's Macca? Or oh, when yeah. it's your car? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely, can, you know, I'm quite blunt. Um, but we have a great relationship. We talk about everything. So, um, uh, you know, he, he, yeah, I have no trouble telling him what I'm thinking. Brad, always a pleasure to catch up with you. No worries, thanks. After the break... On Inside Supercars, we're going to chat with Ryan Story. There are uh, many facets, as I'm sure you have uh, well know about Craig, and he, you've only alerted me to in, in Ryan Story's story. He certainly has some interesting uh, interests outside the motor racing. Yes, and uh, he's very busy with many things right at this 
point in time as... Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as yeah, the cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Shell V-Power Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're fortunate up on a Saturday, no, no, it's a Friday afternoon at Phillip Island to grab Ryan's story. Ryan, of course, has uh, been running the DGR Team Penske team since the amalgamation happened. And in fact, before that. 2013. 2013. That's six years in the job. That is a fair while. Some would say too long. Too long. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. You're now winning the championships that uh, were always destined to happen because you have an air of uh, winning about you. A couple of questions I want to ask you. First of all, um, the centre of gravity testing, um, it showed up there were some differences, but you still came away with three before Pony was available to your team from Sim McLean, and you expected to get how many? Zero. Zero. Why did you expect zero? Well, uh, Simmons Plains is a, is a track that, that uh, we we felt would suit the ZB, given that it's a low-drag car. And we saw that. It was it was so much quicker in a straight line than us. So we were we were hoping to be top five competitive and, and hope, well, to be honest, we hoped to get on the podium, but we certainly didn't expect Saturday's result. And, and really, when you look closely at it and you look forensically at it, Saturday's result was as a consequence of uh, our next-door neighbours not having the best day. Um, I think I think Sunday was probably more reflective of our true performance down there. Well, one of the interesting things that showed up was, in fact, the form that Tickford had showed at the Grand Prix had left. They didn't have any speed at all in their cars. I, I, I was conscious of a couple of comments that I saw from some of their drivers. They, they sort of they sort of see it as a bit of a bogey track. They struggled to get through the hairpin. I think there might have been some other challenges there, but, but certainly uh, we, we didn't see them at their best. Okay. All right. Um, now, one of the other things that was interesting this year about Simmons in particular was the introduction of a Park Ferme rule, qualifying uh, between qualifying and race both Saturday and Sunday. Now, it's been mooted there may be some more trials of that uh, system and also some changes to it. So I'm, I, I sit on the commission, so I, I, it's something that we discussed at late last year, and it's, a, it's, it's one of a number of initiatives that, that, that we're, we're evaluating um, and it was, and, and, and Tim Edwards was a real champion for it, having been involved in Formula One at the time when it was introduced there, as a way to relieve some pressure from the staff and from, and from personnel, because we see personnel retention year to year as being a challenge not just for our team but for every team, yeah. because working on these race cars is a, it's 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 more than a full time job. You, you, it has to be your passion. It has to be. It has to be. Uh, sec- it's 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 second to second only to your family in terms of the in terms of your priority list and the, the amount of hours that these guys put in is just huge. So we're, we're conscious of a couple of things, and that is trying to reduce the the uh, the impact on the workforce over over the course of a race weekend and not wear these guys out. And secondly, we're also looking at cost cost factors to ensure that we have um, as as many efficiencies as we we can across the category and ensure that we have sustainable uh, business models for our race teams. So they're 
two of the things that we've been focusing on quite closely at the Commission in recent times. And, and I think that Park for May overall was a success. I think there's more we can do to, to, to look at it and improve it. But in, in terms of it being a test model, I, th- I think it passed the first test. One of the things it was suggested it would do is mix up the uh, qualifying and mix up the race results, other teams bearing up there. But it didn't, in fact, because the same two teams and two Queensland teams were the ones who were dominant through the weekend. Two wins, two poles and all those sort of things. Any suggestions as to why you think? Well, I think everyone everyone had to make a compromise. Um, you either compromise qualifying or you compromise race, and fundamentally you, you don't get points for qualifying. So... Uh, I think it does stand potential, maybe not necessarily at Tasmania, but uh, at other places to uh, mix up the results. And that was certainly something that was talked about uh, when we when we when we when we put all that together. And then we rely on the technical department to 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 take the mandate from the commission and and, and set 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 the guidelines around that. And, and I think they did a great job with it. I think for the first time out, for the first time for the first time. Uh, trying out something new like that, I, I think it was successful. So let's let's see if we if we have another opportunity to see it uh, see it in action again. Okay. Now the other thing that's being tried this weekend is in fact a closed pit lane, which has been done before in the past, some years ago now. Um, this isn't just because of Adelaide when uh... completely irrelevant. It yep. was it was decided in November last year. So I think that people, I think that, I think supercars made an error in terms of when they announced it because it looked like it was reactionary to Adelaide. It yep. was not. It was something that was decided um, again for a couple of reasons. One, the pit lane here is quite narrow, so there's safety issues here, and and WorkSafe in Victoria are really uh, are really onto onto uh, onto all all businesses that operate uh, here for OC health, safety and welfare practices. So it's something that we're, we're particularly conscious of with wherever we go, but especially here in Victoria. Uh, and, and also it, it's another thing that spices up the racing, spices up the on-track products. So uh, they were the two uh, key motivators for, for, for doing it. And Phillip Island having such a narrow pit lane was a perfect opportunity to see that happen. And again, it just so happened that Adelaide, the debacle in Adelaide sort of... Uh, Made it clear that we always have to be conscious of uh, OHS and pit lane. We've got guys walking across from one side of the track to the other. We've got volunteer officials and marshals in place, not to mention all of our staff. Uh, we ignore it at our peril. So again, it's another opportunity to try something a little bit different and see how it plays out. If if if, if, if you if you continue to do the same, if you continue to do the same thing and and expect there to be change and. Uh, you, you're full to yourself and a burden to others I think in many respects we have to be prepared to change the way we do things and experiment with the way we do things to continue to improve our on-track product and uh, and shake things up a little bit but but safety has to be our, our, our priority first and foremost and uh, and also the retention the retention of our staff and, and, and looking after our people okay now it's not an OHS uh, issue and um it's fairly typical of people who are successful. Is that you've had former lives and had former things in your in your in file and and your outbox. Um, now there was an announcement made in Canberra yesterday that it'll have ramifications for many Australians. Uh, interest uh, probably none more so than you. You've got, <laughs> got an interest and involvement that goes way beyond most people's. Yes, yes, I, I still have uh, I still have businesses that that are involved in the political uh, spectrum. Um, I have oversight over them, but no active day-to-day role with them. But I certainly watch with interest, and and have turned down a couple of opportunities to be involved in some, uh, in, in 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 a greater capacity, um, even in the media sense uh, of, uh, of of how that all plays out. 
over the over the course of the next uh, next few weeks. But uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be this will be the second election in a row, federal election in a row, where I'll be a passive ob- observer, so to speak. And it's it's very very difficult to sit on my hands and and uh, and not not play a part as I ha- as I have done in the past. But uh, that's that's my commitment is is total and complete to the race team. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's still interesting to have that role and and have that oversight over. Over over the the companies that 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 I continue to to be involved with that, that do play those uh, those roles with when, when it comes to targeting and uh, and, uh, and basically trying to trying to win win elections. Okay, now that's a passion and a love, and it's quite obvious talking to you now about that. But one of your other interests was mining. Now you still have an involvement in the mining business. You talking about data mining? Yeah. Yeah. So da- data mining is—it's such a controversial subject because there are some people who took it too far and and went above and beyond when it came to things like uh, taking into account consumer privacy and all those sorts of things. So it's a hot button issue, but uh, certainly it's, it's it's a way in which you can you can capitalise uh, and, and ensure that, that the right message reaches the right people. Yeah. So I think from there's 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 political applications for that. There's commercial applications for that. And you see it even with even when we talk to to our partners and their marketing their marketing groups, they're always thinking about how do we reach the how do we reach our customers um, and tell them about our product. So uh, there are, there are many methods and many ways we can do that. And fortunately, I've been able to u- utilize my expertise um, across our entire partnership group over over the last probably three or four years in particular um, in ensuring that to some of the things that I've learned in in politics, we've been able to apply to uh, to some of those uh, some of those. Uh, race team relationships too. Data analysis in itself is a, an interesting subject. You must uh, be able to apply some of that to actually a role in management of something like a race team because it's a high performance role where you're having to get the best out of people. Do you find that? When I'm having to open Motec software on my computer which something's gone terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. I, I haven't had to do that for many, many years and we're fortunate enough that we've got to uh, We've got we've got a great group of engineers uh, within our shop, and, and our data our data reduction strategies I think work very very well in terms of distilling where we are at any point in time. Um, but I do I do outside of race weekends I'll do I'll, I'll open it up and have a look and see where we are and compare where we are and compare year on year and do those sorts of things. But over the course of the race weekend I stay right out of it. Okay, now I'll just take this opportunity because you know we've got the first session is just completed. Um, and that was uh, only a half-hour session. With I think the, the interesting thing about a, about a Friday, for the first session on the Friday, is it's a bit like relieving yourself in a wetsuit. It gives yourself a warm and fuzzy feeling. But, but no one else. Yeah. But, but you never know what tyres the next person's on, and some people are doing race runs, other people are doing different things, and their programs are different. It's the next session that counts towards the sprint race qualifying format, where we really pay attention and we and we put on our best rubber. Your conversations you've had with the engineers and drivers, you're happy with where you are at the moment. Seventeen's pretty happy. Twelve needs a bit. Bit of work to do on the twelfth to get right. them get them get them right, and, and I think uh, I think I mean look the radio stuff's all public, and Fabian was just talking about having 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 a bit of trouble with push and, and getting the thing to stick. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll well the guys are working on that now, and, uh, and we're, we're confident we'll get that turned around and get him up up to the pointy end. He's very good around here anyway. We just got to give him the car. Okay, well Ludo came in in a big rush earlier, so we better go and see what he wants. But thank you for your time. Well, Ryan. listen, he, he 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 saw the recorder and immediately retreated. He's well trained, <laughs> and it's taken me years to get him to get him to that because he, he likes to have a chat, does Ludo? But I'm now getting a call from Roger Penske, and that takes precedence over this interview. So thank you very much. So that's it for Philip Island 2019.
a fast and uh, fortunately safe uh, event. We didn't have any of the problems that there were possibly foreseen that might happen in the case of uh, pit lane foul-ups. That didn't happen, but we'll have more on Phillip Island next week's show as we get ready to enter our pre-Barbagello event. And of course, that's the debut over in the west of the uh, Saturday night uh, racing. The uh, is not Super dust. night. Do you know what time the race is? I Super night. S- that's what it is. It's haven't seen the schedule yet. Yeah. Anyway, that's it from Inside Supercars. Thank you from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.